everyone. So I'm taking a little bit of a different approach today. We are taking a little bit of a pause from Pride and Prejudice. Do not worry, I will be back to it. We will be finishing it. But today, this episode is coming out the day before Halloween. And so I wanted to talk about something a little more spooky than Jane Austen, which is Hocus Pocus. I love Hocus Pocus, um, and so today I want to talk a little bit about Hocus Pocus 1 and the brand new movie, or relatively new, Hocus Pocus 2. And so I, fair warning, will be spoiling both movies for you here today, so if you are not interested in that, if you haven't seen them yet, please go watch them first. But welcome to today's special spooktacular Halloween episode all about Hocus Pocus, and we will be back to our regularly scheduled programming of Pride and Prejudice next week. Before we get into Hocus Pocus, which I definitely want to talk about, my quick little announcements section, I just want to talk about the other thing that I've been thinking about recently, which is Doctor Who. So Doctor Who just came out with a new episode again recently within like last week. It came out last Sunday, I believe. Um, and it was a big special episode where the doctor got to regenerate. It was Jodie Whittaker's last episode. And so before I get into the main topic, I did want to just briefly talk a little bit about Doctor Who and about Jodie Whittaker specifically, because that's what's on my mind right now. And so we're going to start with Doctor Who. I love Doctor Who. It's another one of my obsessions. If you've gotten to know me a little bit so far, obviously I love Jane Austen. I love Doctor Who. I love Disney. I think those are my main interests as far as these sorts of things go. Um, but Doctor Who is something that I've been in love with since I found it on New Who in, on Netflix in like 2008, maybe? I don't know. It was, I don't remember, but in the 2000s, back when um, Matt Smith, I think, was the Doctor. So when was that? I don't know. Time has no meaning. It was a long time ago. But I think I found it when Matt Smith was, I think I might have just said he was president, but he wasn't. He was Doctor. Whew. Um, but I went back and I watched all of New Who. Um, so it was when it was all on Netflix, I was able to go back and like binge it all. And it was fabulous. And I had a great time. Um so I watched all of the new who I think Matt Smith was probably my favorite. I also love David Tennant. Um, nine, I forget his name right now. He was only one season. I liked him, but he was not, not as good as, or not as high as Matt Smith and David Tennant for me. Um, Capaldi, his era. I liked Capaldi's doctor, but I didn't particularly love his era. So, for me, one of the reasons I love Matt Smith and his era is it felt very fairy tale to me. It was very fantastical and magical and fun and whimsical. And I love those sorts of things. Versus Capaldi's era felt very horror movie, right? It, it, it really leaned into the horror too hard for me, in my opinion. I didn't love it. Um, after Capaldi came our most recent doctor, Jodie Whittaker, who I love. I think that her doctor, what she has going for her is honestly, of all the doctors, she's the one I'd want to be a companion with and want to travel around with. And this is something I saw recently. Somebody was commenting on this, that Jodie Whittaker is the only doctor that I'm aware of who gets all of their companions back 
home safe and sound um, to the right time period, to the right place, safe and, you know, physically, maybe mentally is a little more questionable, but um, she gets everybody home again. And that is, there's something to be said for that, that none of the other doctors seem to be able to accomplish. So anyway, there's that. So my rankings in the past, again, I only have watched New Who. I really have, I've watched a few sporadic episodes of Classic Who, but I don't really know those doctors well, so I can't comment too much on that. But of the modern Who, without Jodie Whittaker, so before I add Jodie Whittaker to the list, my top would be Matt Smith, then David Tennant, then Nine, then Capaldi, probably. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nine, that I don't know your name. I'm sure I could look it up, but. I'm not going to right now. <laughs> Sorry. And then um, Jodie Whittaker for me would probably go in there before um, nine. So she would her era of like wanting to watch her episodes would probably be below Matt Smith and David Tennant. Um, but as far as like ranking. So that's more like ranking of how I liked the seasons, how much I enjoyed watching them. Matt Smith is a clear winner for me. But as far as like liking the doctors specifically as character, as the character, I think she's right up there with Matt Smith and David Tennant's version. So 10 and 11, I really like both 10 and 11. And so 13, I think fits right in with them versus nine and 12. I didn't like as much. So that's where I am at with that. I agree that Jodie Whittaker her series, I think I have a few gripes with the series as a whole. One of them is honestly that just Jodie didn't get anywhere near as many episodes as so many of the other doctors did. So her seasons were so short, you know, six episodes. And so I feel like there's just so much less of Jodie than some of the other doctors. And that's really sad for me. So I really am not happy about that. Some of that has to do with COVID. Some of them has to do with other decisions that were made. But Jodi had a lot less just time on our screens for us to see her. And that does make me sad. Um, I think that there were some really good episodes in Jodie Whittaker's time. I think there were some real clunkers as well. All the doctors have clunkers of episodes. I really do believe that. There are some that I really don't like for Tennant. There are some that are not great for um, Matt Smith, even though I love them and their, their arcs in general. I think the problem for Jodi is that the clunkers are a larger percentage of her entire run, partly because she has so few episodes. Um, and so that's problematic. And that's that's very sad for me. I really am not ready to be done with Jodi. I think that Jodi needs more time. Um, I just don't think we had the just sheer, sheer volume of episodes that other doctors have gotten to really like play with this character enough. And that makes me very, very sad. So, um, of course, the first woman doctor, they don't give her anywhere near as many episodes as they gave all the men. Ugh, my little rant. Anyway, I'm very sad about that. I am excited about the new doctor. I think he looks great. I'm really happy to see the old showrunner coming back. And I'm hopeful for the new era that's coming. But, and you know, spoiler alert, that David Tennant is coming back as the 14th Doctor again. So he's going to be 10 and 14. And then there's going to be the new Doctor is going to be 15, apparently. I, I The numbering system is going to get crazy. I'm not sure. But I am very excited about 
14 or 15, whatever number they're going to give him, the new doctor. And I'm very excited about the special with David Tennant coming back. So, I, I mean, there are some really exciting things for the future. And so I'm holding both of those things in my mind at the same time that I am very... I'm feeling very sad that I don't feel like Jodie was given enough time and a fair shot while at the same time being very excited about where the show is going in the future. I'm also very excited that the show is coming to Disney Plus because, as I talked about already, one of my other obsessions is Disney, so I have Disney Plus already. And so it's going to be very convenient for me that I don't need to get some sort of other streaming option to be able to watch Doctor Who, that it's going to be on Disney Plus, And I'm very happy about that. Much more convenient to me than HBO Max, which is where it was previously. Um, what I'm not sure on is if they're going to actually bring all of New Who over to Disney+, Plus, which would be my vote. I would love it if they did that. Or I think what I've seen so far makes it seem like more likely that it's just going to be from the new episodes starting with not until November 2023, which is so far away. Talking from October 2022. Um, so over a year from now um, was when the next episode is supposed to come out. Um, so, but my understanding is really just those new episodes are going to be on Disney plus, which is also sad. It would be nice if they just had everything, but say la vie. Can't have it all apparently. So anyway, those are my very brief thoughts on Doctor Who. I really did love Jodie's Doctor. I thought that there were some beautiful episodes through her time when the one that's coming to mind specifically is, um, when they went into that sort of. I forget what it's called, the alternate universe, where there was like a sentient universe trying to talk to them and bring them in. I thought that episode with the with the blind girl from Norway, I think. Denmark? I don't know. Somewhere up there. I thought that episode was gorgeous and wonderful. Um trying to think Rose's episode was good, I thought. Um there were other, the Flux I thought had high points and, points and low points, the whole Timeless Child thing also had some interesting moments and some not so interesting moments. So it was very hit and miss with Jodie for me. I thought there was some really good stuff and I thought there was some real clunkers. But her as the Doctor I really liked. Like her actual characterization of the Doctor I thought was really good. And like I said, her Doctor for me, it very much depends on how you rank them because I've already talked about how she's not the best doctor, like in my opinion, of just overall ones I want to watch. But if I'm ranking which doctor I actually want to travel with, she is by far number one. Um, so I think she wins that prize. And I'm very sad to see her go, but I thought it was great. So there is that. Um, the most recent episode, which was Jodie's last episode, I thought was a really good episode. I thought it had some nice moments to it. Um, I really enjoyed all the sort of fan service of bringing people back in, even though I didn't know a lot of them because, I, like I said, I didn't watch Classic Who and there were a lot of Classic Who characters who came in. I kind of wish there were some new Who people who showed up as well and it wasn't all just Classic Doctor people. Like, it seemed weird to me that all of these characters they were bringing in were all from Classic Who and there weren't any, like, people in between from new Who, really. Um, which that seemed very strange to me. So I, I wish that they had included some of those people. And that's my biggest, I guess, note on that is that I wish there were some sort of in-between new hooey sort of people to bring in. Um, but yeah, that, those are my thoughts on Doctor Who. I loved it. I'm really sad that there's not a new episode for a very long time. And I had a really good time with this most recent episode and I'm hopeful for the future. So we'll wrap that up.
and get into more of my Halloween spooktacular topic, which is Hocus Pocus. All right, so Hocus Pocus. It is a movie, obviously. Um, you can watch it now on Disney Plus, and you can also watch Hocus Pocus 2. Um, Hocus Pocus came out in 1993 when I was a kid. I would have been. I don't know. How old was I? 93. I don't know. I was like in elementary school. Um, but I loved this movie. I watched it a million gazillion times. It's fabulous. Love it. And I was so excited for Hocus Pocus 2. Thought, you know, to them finally do it. Uh, do that Hocus Pocus 2. Make the sequel. And I was very impressed with it. I thought they did a really good job. I strongly enjoyed it i thoroughly enjoyed getting to see the witches come back i thought they did a really good job again with the fan service piece of it it was very campy and fun and ridiculous and that's what it's supposed to be so i really enjoyed it i had a really good time with it so the original story the original movie is about the sanderson sisters and how they were all hung for witchcraft in Salem way back when in the 1600s. And that if a virgin lights the candle on Halloween night, they come back. And so our um, main character in the, in the first one lights the candle and um, brings the witches back. And they have all sorts of hijinks ensue to try and kill the witches and make sure that they don't stay in Salem and the way that the witches are going to stay alive in Salem the reason they need to be taken care of is that their plan is to um, suck out the souls of all the children and um, you know kill all the children in Salem to give them youth themselves youth and beauty and so that's the plan um, I didn't say they were good people but they're fun so their role is to kill a bunch of kids to save themselves and so the three kid characters have to keep them from doing that and have to keep the world, you know, keep them from killing all the children in Salem. And they succeed and the witches turn to dust again. And that's the end of the movie. And uh, then we find out for the sequel is that there was one of the kids who they would have eaten if they'd seen him had who had been out, you know, trick-or-treating that night in 1993. He went to the graveyard and saw the sort of final fight of them. He saw them flying over on their brooms and vacuum cleaners. And um, he followed them. He found them on the cemetery, saw their final fight, saw them get killed. And somehow he ended up with the magic book. Now, I'm not clear on how that happened, on how the original three kids lost the book and didn't realize that they'd left it behind somehow, but apparently they did. So this kid, new kid grabs the book, takes it home with him. And then he, the book is sentient obviously, and is able to communicate with him enough to get him to make a new candle so that the witches can come back yet again. And he does this and it turns out he makes more than one. He makes at least two that we know of of these candles but for some reason he doesn't light it now this is the part that i think is a weird sort of plot hole in the movie is that we're told that he finds the book he is sympathetic to the witches he wants to bring them back but he doesn't 
Uh, and the book, he finds the book, you know, back in 1993, he has it, he makes the candles, but he doesn't actually light it. He waits until he's no longer a virgin and he's a full grown adult and then get tricks some teenagers into lighting the candle instead. That seems very strange to me. I don't understand why that is the choice that was made. I mean, I get that they needed somebody to make the black flame candle, but to me... It would make a lot more sense if this new guy didn't find it back in 1993. Like, if he didn't find the book until later somehow. Like, if it had been returned to the house and he became, like, was able to purchase the house or something. He was a big fan of theirs. He purchased the house and then he found the book. Or, I don't know, some other, like, way of getting him the book as an adult so that he is already not a virgin and is able to, like... If this is your, I guess my point is, if this is your big, like, overwhelming goal in life, the fact that he found the book and made the candles when he was eight, I feel like there were a few Halloweens before he's not a virgin anymore for him to light the candle. Um, so he doesn't have to wait until he's a full-blown adult man and, like, trick some teenagers to do it for him instead. Or if he they made some sort of thing where now this candle can't just be lit by anyone, it has to be lit by someone with magical powers, maybe? That way, um, the person he tricks has to actually show some sort of magical, I don't know, aptitude. And so he's been searching for someone ever since. I don't know. Like, some reason why he couldn't have just lit it himself the next Halloween, right? That is a big plot hole for me. Again, I still really enjoy the movie. It's just, like, that thing really, that little piece kind of bugs me. Like, I, it just doesn't make sense. I feel like if this, if he really did get the book when he was eight years old and he made the black candles... Or maybe they said that it took him a really long time to make the black flame candles and he wasn't sure he was ever going to be able to do it. I don't know. Just some sort of story for why he just didn't light the candle himself over the next, I don't know, at least if he's eight. Over the next at least probably about eight years before he would be thinking about not being a virgin anymore. Um, I don't understand why he didn't do that. He had plenty of time in my my estimation. So... Anyway, that is a bit of a plot hole in my opinion. But either way, in this version of the story, he makes that black flame candle and he needs to now trick some kids into lighting it. And that brings up our new trio of teenagers who are three best friends, except for one of the friends got a boyfriend recently or at the beginning of the school year or something. I know it's been more because over the summer or whatever. I don't know. They were talking, I think six months is sticking in my head. She got a boyfriend and the boyfriend is really dumb. And I think he's a problem and probably honestly shouldn't be in the movie again. Like the point of him is just to cause a rift between the three friends. And I get that they wanted that for the story for them to have the two, the three best friends circle. And then the rift with Cassie not being with them for parts of the movie. I feel like they could have come up with another reason for there to be a rift or even if they were going to have the rift be a boyfriend, not have her boyfriend be so bad. Like there can be a rift in your friendships, even if the boyfriend's fine. Like, I don't know. I just the idea that they had to make her boyfriend like the town idiot. Just I, I just don't like the dumb blonde trope thing of making him just so stupid. There was no reason to make him the dumb jock, in my opinion. He could have just been a normal guy and the whole thing would have worked just as well. So I just, it just, it didn't work for me. I, I think they were going for funny. It's supposed to be funny that he's that dumb and it just doesn't work for me. 
But anyway, there's three best friends. They've been best friends for forever. But Cassie, one of the friends, has um, gotten her boyfriend now that they are teenagers. And so she's hanging out with her boyfriend all the time. And so it's sort of caused a rift between the fa- between the friends. So the other two are off having adventures without Cassie for most of the movie. So this movie is also happening on Halloween, which is apparently Becca's birthday. And they have a birthday ritual that the three of them used to do. Becca, Izzy, and Cassie. But Cassie, because of her new boyfriend, is not part of it anymore. And she's having a Halloween party with her boyfriend while Izzy and Cassie are off doing their birthday ritual. Um, so that's kind of sad. But Izzy and Becca go to the magic shop, which is where the Sanderson sisters house, which used to be a museum, but then it got shut down. That's happened in the first movie. So now apparently it's been purchased and turned into a magic shop. And it was of course purchased by Gilbert, who is the kid who saw them in the, who saw the Sanderson sisters back in 1993 and made the black fan candles and has the book and has been waiting 20 years for reasons. Um, and hasn't lit the candle, never lit the candle himself. And now it's made explicitly clear that he cannot, could not have lit the candle or wouldn't have worked because he's no longer a virgin. Anyway, the whole virgin thing is a very weird part of the story as well. But I digress. Anyway, Becca and Izzy, who Izzy is the best character, by the way, or the new new character anyway. The witches are the best, but Izzy is the best of the non-witches. I don't know. Anyway, so we find out that... It's Becca's birthday and they're going to go do their birthday ritual, whatever that means. And they end up going to the magic shop first. And Gilbert gives them a candle, which turns out to be one of the black flame candles that he did, that he created to bring back the Sanderson sisters. But the girls don't know that. They just think it's a candle that he's giving them for their birthday ritual because, I don't know, because, because. Um, And he also gives them some herbs that are supposed to help break a curse, which will come in handy later. So then they go out to the woods where they do their birthday ritual for some reason and they sit out in the middle of the woods and they light a can- light the candle and it gets all sparkly and weird. And that candle though ends up bringing the witches back and the three of them come back. The three, the three Sanderson sisters come back and they start singing the song about the witches being back and it's fabulous and I love it so much. And that scene is hilarious. And I thought it was a great introduction. It doesn't make any sense that they come back singing. No, no, it makes no sense at all. Do I care? No, no, I do not care. I think it's fabulous anyway, even though it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. I forgive it because it's so good. (laughs) So they come back and they then are tricked by the teenagers into a CVS or a Walgreens. I don't know. I don't remember the brand placement, which I'm sure the per- whichever brand paid for that placement is not happy about the fact that I cannot remember which one it is. But it's one of those name brand pharmacy sorts of stores. Um, and so they go in and they have the witches are like eating lotions and face masks and things to try and bring back their youth because the teenagers have told them that they don't have to kill children to, you know, suck the souls to stay young anymore. Now you can just buy them and you buy the lotions and things. And 
that the souls are already pre-baked in and so it's great and so they do that and it's a very funny scene to see the sanderson sisters going through the pharmacy and the aisles and eating lotion and stuff it's it's fabulous love it so much but they eventually catch wise that this is a problem and that or well that it's not working and that they've been tricked and so then they try to kill izzy and becca but in the meantime while the sanderson sisters were distracted they've found salt and they've been able to protect themselves with salt and also you're seeing that becca is getting her getting some magical powers which this might be a good time to take a step back and i haven't talked about the like prequel little section that's in this movie so when we saw the sanderson sisters in the first movie there was a little flash of them back in it's the 1600s when they were being hung but and also when they were killing emily binks to make themselves younger um which i think is interesting that she's emily binks is the only child we know they killed so we know that their thing was they were going to kill children suck out their souls and do it but it seems like emily binks might be the first one they did it to and then she they were killed right away and then they came back in 1993 and they were unsuccessful in killing any more children so i'm not saying that only killing one kid is okay but I do want to make it clear that I don't, it does not seem like they are the mass murderers of children the way that they would like to be. Now that is because they were caught and killed, not because they didn't want to be mass murderers of children. But just pointing out, it does seem like Emily Binks is the only child that they have killed. At least through this spell and for this purpose. Anyway, um, but we do know that they killed Billy Butcherson. So they've killed at least one other person, but he was an adult at the time. So that makes it better. I don't know what I'm trying to say with that. But anyway, those are the only two, I think, confirmed people we know they killed. We know they killed Billy Butcherson and we know that they killed Emily Binks. Anyway, in the sequel, in Hocus Pocus 2, it actually starts them before we get into the whole Izzy, Becca, Cassie story and the Gilbert story. It starts with a prequel with the young Sanderson sisters living in Salem before they are witches and it shows that Winnie was going to be forced at age 16 to marry some guy she didn't want to marry. And that was why she was branded a witch and kicked out of Salem originally. And that is also when they are found by a character called the Mother Witch, who gives them the magic book and the spells to use and tells them that they have power that Winnie has power that she's a witch and you find out that witches get their power on their 16th birthday which was Winnie is getting her powers and then they go back and they burn Salem down so or at least burn the reverends who had kicked them out of town and had tried to force Winnie to marry some guy um, burn his house down so that's their origin story of how they became witches which was a really cute scene to see really liked it but the reason I bring that up is that that made me think back into the CVS or Walgreens, wherever they are. Um, when we see Becca pour the salt, we see like blue magic go into it. And it's, of course, is it's Becca's birthday. She's turning 16. And Gilbert has also reminded us that, you know, at 16, witches get their powers. So we're seeing Becca get her powers and it's very fun. So Becca is getting her magical power and we see it in the salt and they're able to protect themselves with the salt to get away from the Sanderson sisters. And they run back to the Sanderson sisters house, which um, probably not the best plan in the world, but it's what they do. 
Um, but they confront Gilbert about the candle and Gilbert confesses. And we, that this is when we learn that Gilbert has made the candle for the express purpose of bringing the witches back, which he wanted to do. And we find out that he has a lot of sympathy for the witches and thinks that they got a bad rap and they're not as bad as everyone thinks and blah, 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 blah. Um, so he did that. He created the, created the candle and tricked them into lighting it. And then the witches show back up at their own home. And they seem very displeased by the uh, changes that Gilbert has made, basically, because they cleaned it up and makes it smell nice, and they don't like that. It doesn't smell like blood of decay anymore. Um, but they get the book back. They end up trapping the Becca and Izzy in a basement with magic so they can't get out. Kind of cursed to be stuck there. They send Gilbert off on a wild goose chase to get a bunch of things they need for the potion that they're going to make. And they have decided they are going to make the Magica Maxima, I think they called it. Um, but basically, this in this in the first movie, they came back to kill a bunch of children and suck out their souls so that they could live forever. Um, in this movie, that was originally their purpose, but they are quickly turned around that they're going to do Magica Maxima instead. So that they are all powerful, so that they will never die, so that they don't have to, like, just keep trying to kill children to stay alive. Um, and so they need a bunch of things for the potion, and they blackmail Gilbert into doing it by saying that he'll die if he doesn't. And so he goes off looking for what he needs for the potion. And the first thing that he go ends up going to is for Billy Butcherson, because they need the head of an ex-lover. Um, Billy Butcherson being a lover of them is... A complicated story we don't really know the details other than it seems like he kissed Winnie one time and Winnie has been in love with him ever since but he never really was into her and he actually ends up later being into Sarah and it's the whole thing um but um and then Winnie kills him and sews his mouth shut so he came back as a uh, zombie in the first movie and it turns out when Gilbert goes to dig him up this time that he has been as basically a live zombie ever since. He has not been turned back into a dead body in 1993. The spell that brought him awake is still apparently functional. So he's still alive and he's mad that Gilbert is digging him up. Um, but Gilbert lies and says that he's doing something to like harm the Sanderson sisters to get rid of them forever. Or at least Winnie. Um, which in this movie, it's very clear that Billy Butcherson has a very strong hatred of Winnie. He's very mad at her about everything. So, um, he agrees to help Gilbert to get the things he needs to get rid of the Sanderson sisters or specifically Winnie. And so off they go to do that. And there's a little bit of a buddy cop movie of them doing that. At the same time, the witches are off looking for the mayor because they have seen the picture and they've seen the name and the mayor Trask is the mayor of Salem right now. And it turns out his ancestor was Reverend Trask, who was the one who kicked them out of Salem all those years ago. And so they need the blood of an enemy. And so that's their enemy is that he has the blood of their enemy in him and they want to go get his blood. So they're off looking for the mayor. They end up in the Halloween festival for the evening, looking for the mayor and this is where we get the obligatory musical number. So in the first movie, it was I Put a Spell on You. In this one, it's One Way or Another. It's fabulous. It's a whole musical number where they get the crowd dancing. And then the crowd basically does a flash mob to the mayor. 
Um, but the witches, unfortunately, do not follow them all the way to their final destination. They get the flash mob going, and then they're flying over, following them, and they're like, why are they so slow? And it's because, well, they're dancing to the mayor. They're not walking straight there, so they're slowly dancing towards the mayor. Um, but the witches give up on that because it's taking way too long, and they go looking for him themselves. Happening at the same time is Becca and Izzy are still trapped in the basement at the Sanderson sisters' home, which is now Gilbert's magic shop. And they are able eventually to use the um, herbs that Gilbert had given them to break curses, to break the curse that's keeping them locked in the basement, and they're able to get out. At which point they call the mayor and get him to go home and shut down Cassie's party that she's having with her boyfriend because he doesn't know about the party. And um, they know that he'll do that and they are doing that because they are hoping that him going home will save his life because the witches maybe won't be able to find him out in the party where he, he, they know he's they are looking for him. So anyway, he goes off, he goes home, shuts down Cassie's party. And um, but unfortunately, he then immediately goes, turns around and goes back out to the fair. Um, at the same time, the witches are off searching, I suppose, and. Izzy and Becca are going to Cassie's house because they're supposed to then try to keep Cassie and the mayor there and safe because they know the witches are after him. So the witches are off trying to figure out how to find the mayor um, and they are not following the flash mob anymore. And they run into Mike, the boyfriend, who has been kicked out of the house because the mayor has gone and kicked everyone out of the party. And um, they are able to convince him to lead them to the mayor's house. So he does. He's running at full speed, scared out of his mind, to the house to um, lead them all there. And he gets there in time. They get there around the same time as Becca and Izzy do. And so they run in. And then there's some more fun stuff of them, of the witches coming into the house and looking for the mayor and all that. He's not home, obviously. He's off at the party. And the flash mob eventually finds him there and like dance around him. And then the spell is broken and they all are like, why am I even here? And they go off. It's an entertaining scene as well. I enjoy it. Um, so, but back at the mayor's house where the mayor is not, the witches are going through and they have a argument with an Alexa, which is entertaining. They eventually end up in the garage and they get circled by salt. So they are trapped in a circle of salt, which is very helpful for everyone but them. Um, and the mayor eventually comes home and, you know, sees them there and apparently, for whatever reason, leaves them in his garage, circled by salt, like, not even going to deal with this situation right now. And he goes home and he goes into the house. The last we see of him. <laughs> um, but Cassie, his daughter, is there and they realize that Cassie's his daughter. So she, she has the blood, too. So they're going to go after her instead. Um, but... Becca and Izzy and Cassie are all like trying to figure out what they're going to do for the night. And Mike is there too, for some reason. Well, cause he's the one who ran and led them there, but Mike is there as well. And they're all kind of trying to figure out what they're going to do with themselves and how they're going to like, they're going to watch the witches for the rest of the evening and stuff. And they've kind of stepped away. So they're not in view. That's important because throughout all of this, the witches have been flying around on quote unquote brooms, but Winnie's the only one with the broom, same as the first movie. In the first movie, I think Winnie has a broom, Sarah has a mop, Mary has a vacuum cleaner. And this time, they kind of have updated versions of that. Winnie still has a broom. Mary has a um, wet jet, like, 
I forget what it's called, but floor cleaner thing. And then um, Mary has Roombas that she's been going around. And so the Roombas have been sort of this little um, comedy thing going on where they're kind of following her around like little dogs this whole time. Little pets. She has Roomba pets that are following her around that she calls Broomies and they're amazing and I love it. And so she has her little broomies following her around, but they're obviously going pretty slow. So they were with her at the, um, like, festival before they flew away. And so all of this has happened, and they've just now caught up to them at the mayor's house. And they come and they suck up all the salts because they're being good little vacuums and vacuuming up the salt around them. And so the witches are able to get free. That's how they get free is from the Roombas. So the little broomies do that. Then they um, are able to fly off again. And they go grab Cassie and they are off flying if off into the woods to do their magical spell. They're met by Gilbert and Billy. Um, Billy has, of course, figured out that Gilbert is betraying him, but um, Gilbert steals his head. So he's got so Billy's head is there, but his body's not. And his body's sort of wandering aimlessly to try and find his head. But Gilbert and Billy's head are there and all the other ingredients they needed for the spell. And so the witches are there and they're going to start do, trying to do Magica Maxima. Then um, then Becca and Izzy are there to try and save Cassie. And so they get some of Cassie's blood by like scraping her neck. But then she's just tied up. They're not, they don't actually need to kill her for it. They just need like a drop of her blood for the spell. Um, and so they're doing the spell and they're interrupted by the new, the new girls who are saving Cassie and then like causing other problems and things. But eventually they run away and are able to sort of, there's some fight stuff that happens, but eventually the witches drive them off and then go back to do the spell and they do the spell. But Izzy now has the book because book has chosen her because book doesn't like magic maxima and has been trying to keep um winnie from using that spell this entire time um and she doesn't know why but event but while the girls are trying to figure out what to do the new girls they read the book shows them the warning of why you're not supposed to use magic maxima which is that you will have to pay a price to use such an important uh, such a powerful spell and the price is whatever you value the most. And so we find out that what what, Vinny, what Winnie values is her sisters. So she will have to give up her sisters to have that kind of power. So they run back to sort of warn, initially to warn Winnie that that's what she's doing. And that's what she's choosing to do by completing that spell. But they are too late. She's already finished the spell. And at first it seems like they all have more power and it's very cool. Um, and then you see Sarah and Mary sort of disappear, disintegrate, die, and Winnie's left behind with all this power and it just breaks her and she doesn't want to be there. She doesn't want the power without her sisters. Um, it's a very touching moment. It made me cry. I loved it a lot. Um, and this new coven of witches, Becca and Izzy and Cassie, are able to use Book to reunite Winnie with her sisters and Winnie thinks her sisters are going to come back, but really what they're doing is they're sending Winnie to them in the afterlife. And so Winnie then disintegrates, but she's all happy and she's happy about it this time. 
And it's super satisfying. And I love the ending so much. I think it's so good. This whole thing about Winnie realizing how much she loves her sisters. And how it's so important that they're there. And how she's so like broken when she loses them. Um, it's just fabulous. I love it so much. But like I said, it makes me cry every damn time. I've seen the movie, I think, three times at this point, And I think I've cried all time. Three times. Um, so she disintegrates. She's gone. The Sanderson sisters are gone. Gilbert and Billy's body show back up again. Because they, they had uh, flicked Gilbert away a while back. So now Gilbert and Billy, Gilbert has somehow found Billy's body and has brought it back. His head is still there from where they were doing the spell. They put Billy's head back on his body. And um, Gilbert promises that he will tell the story of the Sanderson sisters correctly and make sure everybody knows that Billy was not Sandy Winnie's lover, which he's really mad that Winnie's been telling that story and that story has been going out for so long. So Gilbert says he'll correct the record and um, Billy's very happy about that. And then all of Winnie's spells start to, I guess, sort of dissipate because then um, Billy disintegrates into zombie dust. I don't know. He's gone, but he's gone up back to the afterlife, I guess. And it's not stuck in zombie form anymore. So that's probably a good thing. Um, and the girls say they're going to keep the book. Gilbert says he'll see them around. And then they're kind of off wandering home. The three of them reunited as besties again. Um, it's unclear to me if Cassie is still with Mike at this point. Because that was the bone of contention was all about her boyfriend. And he was, he led the witches to her house and almost got her killed. Um... But, I mean, how much of a choice he had, I do not know. But also, like, then they just left him there. Like, there's no conclusion to that at all. Like, whether she's still with Mike, where Mike went. Like, they just left him and he's never seen again. So, like, he doesn't know what happened. He doesn't know if they're alive or dead. He knows, like, the last he saw, I think, was, like, Cassie getting taken away by the witches. And then he's just never seen again. And Oh, and then he sees a body walking around without a head because he sees Billy body and he faints. And then we never see him again. We don't know if he's just still lying in the street in a dead faint or if he gets like found and taken to the emergency room or what happens to him. Nobody knows. We don't care. We don't talk about it. So that is another little hole. Like what happened to Mike? Like, and is Cassie still with Mike? And like, we're not going to go back and see, no. So no, they're just best friends again. And Mike is apparently maybe, maybe not out of the picture. I don't know. But I do love the little ending where they they start doing the little walk that the Sanderson sisters do all the time where they kind of like overlap their feet as they walk together. And so they do that down the street and then laugh about it. And they're now a little witch's coven and they have the book. And that's the end of the movie. And I love it so much. I thought it was fabulous. After the credits, um, well, during the credits, we get another of them singing the Witches Are Back song again, like a music video version where they're like in a studio singing it. And it's fabulous. And then afterwards we get to see a little clip of Gilbert's cat back in the magic shop jumping around. And we see there that there is another black flame candle that Gilbert has created at least a second one, which leaves the door wide open for them to do a third movie. And with how well this movie did, I think that that is a possibility. I don't exactly know what they would do, but I mean, there's definitely, there's no reason the Sanderson sisters cannot be brought back again, right? Like they just, they can be forever and eternity however many times they want to bring them back they can bring them back and the movie has been doing very very well i think it's the number one disney streaming thing that they've done at this point 
because I heard that it beats Encanto, which was their last most impressive or best numbers or whatever. So it did really, really well. People are loving it. I think it's a fabulous movie. I definitely recommend you watch it. It's a great Halloween pick. Um, so watch Hocus Pocus. Watch Hocus Pocus 2. They are fabulous and so much fun. And that is really my review is just that I think that it's a fabulous movie. There are some holes. There are always holes. I'm all, I always like to critique things. So I want to make it very clear. Just because I'm critiquing it doesn't mean I didn't like it. I find a great enjoyment out of critiquing. And my big critiques for this movie are the Gilbert thing. Of I don't think there was enough explanation of the whole... how When he got the book when he was eight. When did he exactly make the candles? Why didn't he just light it the next Halloween? Why did he have to wait until he was an adult and trick children into doing this? So that is one issue I have. Um, the other big one is the Mike thing. I don't think that the whole like boy, Cassie's boyfriend being the village idiot makes a lot of sense or really adds much to the story. I don't know that he really needed to be there. Meh. I don't. I feel like they could have come up with some other conflict between them and Cassie or even that their conflict was that she had a boyfriend she really liked that was just a normal guy. He didn't have to be so awful. I don't know. That's my thought there. I don't think Mike added anything, at least the way they did his character. Um, I would have loved to see more of the young Sanderson sisters. I want more of that. I would love a whole prequel. So that was not enough information. I would like more information. I would like more of their early years, how they became witches. Um, and I would also love more information on this whole Billy Butcherson thing, like... What is this love triangle weirdness that is going on? We, we keep getting talked around it, but we don't really get details about it. Um, so I would love more information about that. But yeah, I mean, the real... Most of my complaints are that I want more. I want more stuff. I want more information. But the two ones that I think are actually like problems in the movie in and of itself and are not just me wanting more information, which the rest of these have been, the two things are the Gilbert... Finding it as a child and why it took him so long to, like, light the candle if he got it when he was eight. And then the Mike situation, which I just think is dumb. So those two are the, my really, I think, the only real problems I had with the movie. Everything else is more of a just, I want more information. I would like an explanation. There isn't enough explanation for me. But it's not that there was something wrong, necessarily. It was just that I would like more information, please. Um, so I would definitely watch a third one if they make a third one. I would love a prequel if they did a whole thing of just the young Sanderson sisters learning to be witches. I think that could be so much fun. I would watch the heck out of that. I would love a little like series of it on Disney Plus. Like maybe not even a full movie, but like series, a little series of different like adventures that they go on. I think that would be fantastic. I really hope they do something like that. They do more Hocus Pocus content. I am here for it. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. And that's why I wanted to talk about it. So, anyway, that is my review of Hocus Pocus 2. I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, if you're still here, hopefully you did and you didn't just listen through that hate in a hate-listen way. Um, but either way, I will be back next time to go back to Pride and Prejudice. And get back to our wonderful Jane Austen. Um, I hope you enjoy your Halloween and have a good time with it. Halloween is one of my favorite holidays. I think it's so much fun. I love the dress up and the play. So I hope you guys have a great time with it this year. 
And yeah, that is all it. I will see you next time back with Pride and Prejudice. Bye, y'all.